Thank you for downloading this Brum Radio podcast. For more podcasts, visit brumradio.com. Welcome to the Freak Scene podcast with me, Dave Travis, promoter, photographer, and friend to the stars, some of whom pop into the Brum Radio studios for a chat. If you want to listen to the whole show, which includes the music, then pop along to mixcloud.com forward slash Brum Radio. That's uh, Odin from the lower third, and my guest this week is Michael Valentine West. Hello. Hello, David. How are you, sir? I'm very good. Yes, I should say I'm Dave Travis. You're listening to Brum Radio. <laughs> and uh, we have the, the legendary Michael Valentine West. And, and uh, you, you've been, uh, I was going to say you've been around a long time, but that's um, you've been productive for many years is probably a better way of saying it. Indeed. Thank uh, you. And uh, I think I first became aware of you in a band called Weird's War. Ah, yes. Was indeed. that early 90s? Yep, that would have been uh, early 90s, in fact, yeah. But, I mean, since then, it's, uh, you've had many incarnations since then. In fact, I've had to write a list. It's, uh, <laughs> apart from Weird's World, it was uh, Twiggy and K-Misons, K-Mison 4, Suck Susan, Lower Third, Mikiko, Mikimo Susumi, and uh, your latest incarnation is Anal Teens. Ah, uh, yes. How's that working out for you, name-wise? Yeah, <laughs> uh, really Did you have a bit hilarious. of with that on Facebook? Uh, I did. Um, but it wasn't for what I actually thought it was. Um, but yeah, the, the anal teens thing, it was d- a deliberate kind of like, let me come up with a name for a band that could possibly get you into trouble if you try to Google it. So, yeah. Yeah. But um, no, it's, it's um, yeah, Facebook, when I was trying to promote it, <laughs> they turned down the ad about five times. And I was so angry. I was like going, but... It's anal teen, it's a play on words, it's a play on words for goodness sake. And this, they were emailing me backwards and forwards. Turns out what they were actually having a problem with was one of the um, comments about it, which I added to the um, listing, contained uh, uh, effing and jeffing, as in like, this is effing great. Yeah. And I thought, okay, let me just put asterisks on it then. Yeah. No, can't do that. Okay, can I use the word shizzle? <laughs> Chisel was fine in the end. So, yeah, I, I apologise to the Facebook promotions team. Yeah, that, that's annoying when you're outraged and you find out that uh, the, 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 the source of your outrage isn't the, isn't the problem. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. But you, you also cover a, a really wide range of sort of musical styles, don't you? Yes. So um, how, how, what would you describe uh, Anal Teens as? Uh, <laughs> there were several things we were coming up with. Crack House was one. Um, it, it, it's... That's a narrow genre, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> you go to HMV. Yeah, yeah, get some crack house. Crack house. Yeah, no, it, it's it's. I would describe it as left of centre backroom club music. Uh, a guy in Germany, he said it's like club music deconstructed. Yeah. But in truth, it's just the idea of like um, the motion is in the editing of the audio, which yeah. is kind of like a bit kind of based on. Eh, Ed Banger Records in, in Paris, I guess. Yeah. That's where the idea first came from. Yeah. But it was mainly just to have some fun. Yeah. I saw you, uh, I think the last time I saw you live was supporting Bentley Rhythm Ace. Oh, yeah. The Hare and Hounds. That was, uh, that, was a, that was a great night, wasn't it? I had the most fun, man. Yeah. And I haven't seen them together as friends for years. And um, how, did I, you get, how did you get that gig? Just because you know Richard? Them? Yeah, Richard. Richard, yeah. Um, Richard March just got in touch and said, uh, dude, you interested in doing a gig? I'm like... Hell yes. Yeah. Hell yes. Yeah. So I was quite chuffed, really happy at the fact that nobody, pretty much nobody who was in the room when I was playing had heard any of my stuff before. No. 
and it went down really well. Yeah, it people was, were dancing, and yeah, yeah, no, was, it, was a, it was a great night. That was a, overall, it was a really good night. And I, like I say, I was because I, 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 I knew you were supporting, so I went to see, and I hadn't wasn't aware of what you were going to do. But it was uh, it was really it was Thanks. in your face, wasn't it? I think. Ah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Difficult at times as well. I think difficult listening. Yes. Is that, you, is that your intention? No. Challenging. Um, yeah, I mean, like, I don't think it's particularly that difficult, you know, because... Um, if you're dancing, it was probably putting, better, but obviously putting, I Putting it next dance. to some of the stuff that I, that I listen to and stuff, but yeah. um, I know that not all of it is for everybody, and when you start playing with different time signatures on top of each other... Yeah. ..and um, atonal music perhaps that's not gonna get somebody jumping around the room like well. I, 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 I loved it i thought it was mesmerizing it was like that when you just sort of listen to it and you just um yeah because it's just you on stage isn't it yeah and it's you know so you just you know just concentrate fully on the music absolutely yeah, i mean I, th- that that is the thing though and it's like you say it's not meant to be deliberately challenging but yeah. i think as an artist that is one of the things you are supposed to do it's one of your remits as in to challenge yourself and there's no point making just a bunch of noise the noise has to have purpose yeah but i was really happy with the response no no it's good it's really good gig and uh, so we're going to uh, we've got got a couple of hours of music and we're going to uh, play a a representation of what you've done over the years is that right absolutely yeah so uh, i I won't have heard a lot of this and uh, maybe maybe some of the other people won't as well so i'm I'm really looking forward to it what should we what should we do next should we do Ah. the the next on the list producer paul (laughs) yeah i reckon cindy star city your place okay we'll do cindy let's do that cindy no, wait one second. We'll just chat while that's loading, <laughs> yeah. shall we? Yeah, this is probably the first thing I did when... Um, one of the first things I did when Weird's War stopped being Weird's War. So when did, when did, uh, when did you do Weird's War until? Was it 19... 90- I don't know. I try not to think about that at all anymore. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> no, 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 no. That was, that was a great band, though, wasn't it? That was one of them in the 90s. Yes, you, you know, when it was good, it was fantastic, and we were, uh, I felt we were unbeatable, unstoppable, yeah. and if it had carried on, you know, what I had planned next was going to be in my mind, you know, I was looking ahead, but, eh. Yeah, but that that does seem to be what you do, doesn't you? Always you're looking for something else. Do you know what I mean? It's not not staying still or being satisfied with what you're doing creatively. Absolutely not. You you know, there's there's no point. I mean, the whole thing with guitar, for instance. You know, I I, after that band finished, I just thought I need to get away from the guitar and go back to uh, keyboard. You know, stuff that's less familiar with me. You know, for me, like sampling and stuff, as it was more so at the time. Mm. You know, just to kind of rather than carrying on and joining another guitar band or playing guitar and stuff. It's, it's again, it's like just in my nature to try and go forward and not spend too much time, you know. That's Cindy by uh, Michael Valentine West, who is my guest this week. Hello. That was, uh, that was, I've not heard that one before. No, no, it's, it's quite old. Yeah. In, in, you know, in my terms, it's like, yeah. So what's that? That's what you, you said that's what you did after uh, Weird's War? Yes, that was one of the first projects I threw myself into. I may have even performed that live a couple of times at the Jug, perhaps. But yeah, you know, 
it's it's an odd thing doing vocal music when it's just pretty much yourself, you know. So I kind of constructed a backing band. Yeah. Did some shows then for a while, and then stopped doing that. So you so what for last sort of twenty years? It's just been you. Oh yeah, <clears throat> yeah. That's that's the way you prefer it. Um, I suppose it's easy. You don't have to. If it's a gig, you don't have to check if everyone's free, do you? Yes. Um, prefer it in some ways, yeah, because there's only you to rely on. There's it's, it's if something doesn't work, it's your fault. Yeah. Uh, you know, you have to be kind of very conscious of those things. Um, other people can be perhaps sometimes less reliable but even in saying that I really have enjoyed over the, the time playing for other people as well because it's a different discipline you know it's really good it's like takes you out of your comfort zone you know yeah. if you think like okay I work on my own the worst thing in the world is to like get up and do the same thing every day which is easier to fall into if you're working on your own yeah but if you're playing for somebody else they say like okay here's some money we want you to play this you have no choice in the matter whether you like it or not that's the way you have to play it. Yeah. And um, it, it, it's good for your ego. It, you know, it doesn't... It helps your ego not get too big. Yeah. You, you, know. don't, you don't have to split the money four or five ways either, do you? That's great as well, yeah. yeah. But you don't miss that, because like being in a band, is it's really like a gang, isn't it? And there's different personalities, and, you know, that, that can sort of sometimes work creatively, can't it? Oh, yeah. Or not. Or, or not yeah, or sometimes. Work against you. I mean, it, it, there was a point with um, the band where it was... When it was great, it was when everybody trusted everybody. When, you know, so I come in with a song, and I go, this is the idea, and you get these blank looks, mm. and I go, no, 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 stay with me here, and you do it. And they were like, okay, we understand now. And the, as time went on, you know, maybe some of the trust went out the window a bit and you'd come up with an idea for something. And I remember once I was using a sequencer and a drum machine for a new track and I brought it in. And um, <laughs> the drummer was like... What do I play? That's that's always an awkward moment when you bring a, a drum machine into a into a band rehearsal, isn't it? Oh yeah, you know you think oh, well, I'm not trying to replace anybody. It was yeah. just to take the sound somewhere else, you know. So the this is the way played. it is now. Get the kettle on. Yeah, <laughs> it, was, it was just like yeah, the drummer was like, oh, I'm like dude, yeah. it's okay, it's yeah. okay. Yeah, but um, yeah, so we tried that once and never tried it again. <laughs> it was like, nah, this ain't gonna happen. Yeah. So we're gonna move on to another another of your uh, incarnations, uh, which is Suck Susan. Ah uh, yes. So. So when, yeah, yeah. So what? What sort of? Uh, what era was this? Uh, that spanned about a while. This was probably what 2012, I think it came out in. Um, yeah, it was just uh, another thing that I had played around with years ago. Uh, I was really into DJ Crush and um, all the really early Moax music and stuff like that. And, uh, you know, when I was growing up, I listened to a lot of hip-hop and electro and stuff, and I wanted to do something that was, you know, reminded me that. So, yeah, it was born. So this is called uh, Fantastic Damage. We have yeah. to have a parental guidance warning on this. If there's any no, children no, no. listening. Oh, no, no, this one isn't the one. Oh, this one's so the no, next no. one is, isn't it? Yes. Yeah, sorry. This, yeah. is, this is fine. Yeah, OK, brilliant. So you, you can uh, let the kids listen to this one. <laughs> <laughs> That's another Black Elvis from Michael Valentine West, who's my guest this week. And before that, we had uh, Fantastic Damage from Suck Susan. Also, <laughs> Michael Valentine West. Why uh, Why do you do so many incarnations? There's about, there's about seven or eight, isn't there? And ah. sometimes you do them almost at the same time or oh, overlapping. Yeah. Oh, yeah, everything's concurrent. Is that just because it's different 
types, styles of music, or is it just because it's a, you know, that's... You throw... When you are... When I'm working... Um, and exploring different possibilities for sound, music or whatever. Sometimes you get an idea for a, a, a project, a, a theme, you know, and you then think, OK, then I will put everything into that. And then it becomes like a, you know, an art piece of, a piece of work in itself. Not all that stuff actually suits my name sometimes, I feel, because I guess the stuff that I do for myself is bits and pieces of all the different things from what I've learned from doing all these other things all together in one. Um, it, it's just fun. And also because if people don't know, you know, oh, they'll know now. Yeah. They didn't know that it was all you. Nah. Yeah. You know, I don't, this is something I learned before as well with Weird's War, for instance. It's like people only give you credit sometimes for certain things. So you, sometimes it's better just to take your name off it. Yeah, yeah. And you got, I mean, it must take some time thinking of all the names. <laughs> <laughs> there, there, are, there are folders full of names. There are folders full. So, so uh, yeah, I do that with, with club names sometimes. You think of a name and then you, you write it down. Write it so there's down a somewhere. big list of things that, uh, that will come in handy sometime. Yeah. And then you can sort of reuse and reinvent them, can't ah, you? Ah, that's right. Yeah. yeah. So um, you've done um, some film scores as well, haven't you? Yes, yeah. Um, I quite a while ago since the last one. Um, that actually got used, but mainly for short films. But um, a few years ago, I did have an experience doing a, a feature film score. So, and how did that work out? Ooh, ooh, potential lawsuits. Oh. Very little payment. Yeah. Uh, very long hours. Yeah. And um, a bit of betrayal towards the end. In fact, the whole story of doing the soundtrack is actually more interesting than the film. I won't mention which film it is. You should it make actually... a film about that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The film, the film did eventually come out. So how does, how does that work? Because I've often, uh, often wondered, really, you know, that, that you sort of, you know, that obviously the director directs the film mm-hmm. and then you get a sort of cut with a dialogue on. And then do you, do you get that or do you get an idea of how to, what sort of type of music they want? Uh, in a sane world, yes. What happens is, is that the film is, um, it's been, so it gets shot, uh, it's directed, obviously, shot, then edited, and then they start sending you scenes, um, parts where they, you know, they'll mark out parts where they want music for or something for, and usually, as it would be sensible, give you some kind of an idea mm. of what kind of music they'd like. It's a lot easier in the silent era days where you have a pianist at the front when you're playing. Uh, yeah, so yeah. it's like, you know. Yeah. But, but, but actually, in saying that, it is kind of like that. That's how I was scoring anyway. Yeah. I'd be like playing to the scene. Yeah. You know, you, you sort of here to here and you're going, like, okay, then you've got three minutes there. So you're watching and so you're making the ideas. You know, you're playing along with the dialogue and the, you know, the visuals as well. Hmm. So that's how I write. But it's know. so difficult because obviously the director's got sort of a noise in his head and the producer and all the other people around it, and then you come to it sort of fresh, don't you? And you've got to sort of try and fish out of, you know, what, what they're thinking. Yeah. Do they give, you, they give you guidance then? or A good director would. Yeah, all right. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Let's not uh, get into the litigation. No, of it, no, no. Are no. the short films easier then? Are they? Um, I, well, it just takes less time. Yeah. I mean, it, it, it just takes less time. I mean, there, there was a couple of experiences I had where uh, there was one short film, 
looking back, I think she just needed cover because she wanted to use uh, a song by a famous band and she wasn't sure she'd get clearance. So she said to me, oh, you know, can you do something like them? And I did it and stuff mm. and it was great. And then... Just changed it slightly. It, <laughs> of course. Yeah, yeah. Of course. Um, but in the end, um, it didn't end up in the film because she got clearance. I mean, I still got paid for it. Yeah. And they, she used a very brief snippet of some of the music in the film for me. But, you know, it was all right. But again, that's part of letting... You know, um, keeping your ego in control rather than thinking, I'm a genius and I did this great piece of music. You know, it's like, yeah, if no, they don't want it, you know, no. or if they think it's wrong, mm. you can disagree with them. Yeah. But it's their film, you know. Yeah. I suppose not everything works out, does it? And to be, you're so prolific as well, I suppose you're going to, we're going to use it somewhere. Oh, anyway. well, this is it. There is, I mean, maybe this year, the, the, the working title is If You Should Ever See Me Again. And um, there's about a third, if that, of um, the stuff I did from the soundtrack for the film that never got used. Yeah. There's hours. Mm. For, for an 84-minute film, I did hours and hours. It was hilarious. I was getting up at, like, six in the morning to send stuff off, you know, and then I'd be receiving the next scene on the same day, and they're saying they want, like, four or five pieces of music a week, and you're just doing it all. Yeah. You know, I got to know the guy at the 24-hour garage really well. Yeah. Because I was just over there for cigarettes and and caffeine drinks. It's just like, uh, That's it, yeah. 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 The music business runs on cigarettes and caffeine drinks. Absolutely. Or used to. Probably doesn't so much now. Can't imagine Ed Sheeran works that way. But uh, <laughs> so you know, I've said the S word. So uh, so what do you uh, you have a home studio then? I guess. Cause, yeah. Yeah. Because it's a lot easier now, isn't it, than say twenty twenty five years ago? Uh, on the one hand, yes, but you have to put the work in yeah. to know how everything works. I mean, there's if but there is the thing you have to these days. It's not enough just to like sketch out something and go, well, there's a great idea. You know, you have to be your own producer, your own arranger mixer um and sometimes mastering engineer yeah you know and i've learned a lot over the years you know Mm. just by some of it by trial and error some of it just by just reading and tutorials and stuff you know because uh, self-sufficiency yeah yeah and again it's like i've had stuff mastered by people and i've you know you've got it back you know you you thought "Eh, i'm not sure about that but of course you can't argue because Mm. they've done it you know so you you develop your own yeah. yeah extra musical skills as it were yeah so it's not always the easiest thing to do I mean I have friends who there was a friend of mine who I remember hearing some things that he'd done and I said oh that's good when you're going to finish it he goes oh it'll do <laughs> Yeah. And I never understood that. I mean, no. even if you were just doing it for fun, mm. I never understood the idea that, you know... There's, that's a horrible do. phrase, actually, it'll do. Yeah, it'll uh, do. We've probably all used it at some point, some, some things, haven't we? But, um, do you know do. how many months it took me to master the Anal Teens? <laughs> Mix and master. Yeah. And there's another Anal Teens album coming out this year as well. Right, OK. For the, just for the hell of it. Yeah. The Black Burger incident. Yeah. So when's that going to be out? Uh, April or May. I'm, I'm not sure of the order of what I'm releasing at the moment, but April or May. Yeah. You know, um, and that's... So is it all backing up, all your all your music? And yeah, you, I just need yeah. to get... I, there, there's so much stuff. There is um, another project that I was working on called Dot Wav Quartet, which was more jazz. Yeah. I say more jazz, jazz influenced. You know, I can't... I, I refuse... I couldn't call myself a jazz musician. No. But it is jazz influenced. Um and there's about six of those there's something else called discrete discrete objects which is like just ambient stuff there is yeah there's so much yeah there's a lot 
And so yeah. this, this is why I need to start releasing stuff because I'm sick of just going into the studio and going, ah, yeah. ah, play that again. Yeah. Tweak that. Play and tweak. You you're, know. you're a bit of a fan of uh, analog uh, recording as well, aren't you? Have you got uh, you, you like old tape reel to reel tape machines. Ooh, I love reel to reel machines. They're fantastic, I aren't they? I must admit. Them. Yeah. Love them. Um, but not every single reel to reel machine was created equal of course no. <laughs> but uh i i i can't remember what it was i had some kind of revelation one night about sound and about um formats i mean there was always this kind of running thing with friends of mine friends of mine who have labels and release stuff on vinyl and stuff and i was thinking like yeah you know tape you know am i really into cassette tape am i really into and then he was thinking about reel to reels it's like that's my ambition to start releasing. Well, it was industry standard, wasn't it? You know, Absolutely, yeah. A couple yeah. of decades ago. Yes, yeah, it was indeed. And um, I just started reading up on, again, you know, the internet is your friend, and mm. then took my first dip into reel-to-reel fixer-uppering and, and bought a TIAC, a uh, Tascam, sorry, a Tascam mm. 32, which was brilliant until I blew the motor up. Yeah. Live and learn. It's got to be fixable, though, hasn't it? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, it really is. I mean, like. Um, that's the thing, things break and then people just sort of give them away or throw them away, don't they? But, well, that's it. There was but a, that's the beauty about that, that era of equipment, isn't it? That you, you can, can take it. it back off and, yeah. and fix it. And you learn. I mean, I'm not a trained ele- electro- uh, electri- uh, electrical engineer, but, you know, again, you've learned, you learn a lot and you stop being afraid of opening the box. Yeah. You know, same with computers. You know, people think I'm really good with computers. I, I've just picked up a lot by trial and error. Mm. I remember the first time. I fit a, uh, a hard drive into a computer and you open up the case mm. and you look and the first thing you realise is barely anything there <laughs> it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a huge it's box a big, isn't it yeah. big box with a couple of things and you're like okay that's easy yeah it's, and it's kind of the same with reel to reels you know where things are uh, you know what to look for you know what to clean you know, you know what not to touch yeah. <laughs> when it's plugged in. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, there was a, oh, I bought a Tanberg from somebody in Birmingham and he turned up on the doorstep with it. I think he really needed the money, to be honest. Yeah. <laughs> he was, um, he was an Eastern European guy and he just looked at me, he was like, Does you want this? Yeah. Like, yeah. Okay. Okay. Here you go. Yeah. And gave him the money and, and it was slow. And again, you just like unscrew the thing, you know, download a manual and screw it change the belts lubricate clean the heads that's that's the digital age working for the analog age isn't it that you can just go online and download Precisely. download the whole manual you know as well as before it'd just be almost impossible wouldn't it, well, to find it. a manual for a, for a 30 40 year old tape player well that's it I, I, i'm always astounded at people who this will sound harsh but people ask questions like you know oh how does one how how do I do this or how do I do that? Because mm. the first place I'm going is the internet to find That's out. That's right, yeah. You know, and if I can't get an answer off the internet, then I'll ask somebody I know. Yeah. But, you know, um, there's a... Isn't there a site? It's a cheeky website that's called let me google that for you all right have you ever heard of it no you have you've heard of it yeah, yeah. you you basically um when somebody goes oh how does this work or how can i do that there's this thing where you kind of like send them a link to let me google it for you and yeah. it automatically opens it up you have to see it it's, yeah it types it in. it types in <laughs> yeah. your search for you yeah. <laughs> and then shows you the results of your search okay and as a good friend of mine said like perhaps best to only use that with really good friends of yours <laughs> otherwise you might tick a few people off yeah well no i've never heard that you learn something every day don't you oh, you I, learn one I, thing a day today's not wasted that's what i, I try to do that really yeah. i i hate wasting time no hate it well that's 
painfully obvious, really. <laughs> <laughs> I can't imagine you sit around the house in your pyjamas wondering what to do. No, but you see, that's part of the deal. Since you've known me, it's been part of the deal. It's like once you decide you're going to be a musician, artist, call it what you want, there's no point walk, walking around telling people that you're an artist or whatever. If you're I, I did that with Astronaut, working. though, to be fair. <laughs> I tried that as well when I was about eight. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm I've still not got round to it. I'm not going to get that call now, am I? Probably not. Should we listen to some more music? And uh, we've got what the next one is, uh, Quentin's Restraining Order. Now, this is um, from your latest incarnation, Anal Teens. Yep, that just came out recently. And uh, I was very uh, happy <laughs> with the response. The fact that people actually pay for things is great. Because that's what you can do now as well, isn't it? You, you know, oh, you can, yeah, yeah, yeah. Again, I mean, like I've had stuff out on other labels as well. But um, you start your own label. You know, it's like a cottage industry. You get a Bandcamp page, a website, and try and promote it as much as you can. Yeah. You know, and that's what you said you're doing. As an, and it's hard in one way. It's easy to do, but because there's so many people doing it, it's very easy for yourself to get lost. Yeah. So like I say, you know, the first few days, the sales were just stupid. Yeah. I was really happy. And some people paying double the price for it as well, yeah. which I've, you know... So where can, if people like this, where can, where can they uh, download it? Uh, UVG21... Um, it's like the um, UVG212 on Bandcamp. If you Google UVG212, you should find the website and the Bandcamp page. That's Dot for Fantasy, and that's from uh, Twiggy and the K Misons, which is uh, really Michael Valentine, isn't it? <laughs> and uh, before that, we had Quentin's Restraining Order from Anal Teens, which is also Michael Valentine West, who is are my guest s- this week. Are you seeing a pattern here, everybody? Yeah, yeah, yeah. no, it's going to be good, right? Yeah, two hours, two hours of your music, fantastic. Just be thankful it's only two hours. Yeah, no, no, it's, go- it's going very well, isn't it? I'm really enjoying this. <laughs> thank you, thank yeah. you. It's good because, like, say, some people, people like you, Mark, and some other guests that have come in, I might have known them for 20 or 30 years but you you never I'd never sit down with you in a pub and talk for two hours about music would I no it's a bit mainly because you don't like me that much. <laughs> I do see you walking out the door when you see you're going towards you <laughs> but it's uh, but it is it's, it's just really interesting it's great to you know to, to see you know this spanning sort of 20 years or more it's, yeah, uh, no it's fascinating but um, so yeah we're going to we're moving on Although it's still going to be Michael Valentine West. Uh, <laughs> so so um, you've got... The next track we're going to play is Slow Math. So uh, how did this come about? Uh, actually, the story was really strange about that. I got approached by somebody online who'd heard some, some of my stuff on uh, SoundCloud. And um, he was talking about... Oh, well, that was it. He'd heard the Suck Susan album. And he thought it was great. And he had this great, amazing idea to do some performance called The Four Susans. So he thought he saw the whole thing as serendipity. And um, I started writing a few tracks, mainly for that, in between doing everything else. And they were... I guess they were kind of jazz influenced, mainly because that's been in my head... That had been in my head for, like, about five years on and off, thinking, like, I want to do something... You know, more chords, more complication, just mess about, basically. And also being a really big Miles Davis fan. And um, so I'd done a few tracks with that. He disappeared completely. And along along the same time, um, Anna Rott Records from Germany, they got in touch. And uh, they said they were interested in doing an EP. Um, And I was like, oh, great. And so they invited me over. I played at a festival for them. And then I finished off the EP, sent it to them. They said... uh, Okay, 
we think it's so good we want to do it on, on vinyl instead so go ahead and write the album and so yeah and that's how Code 17 Abstraction was born and uh, that's, the al- that's the album that yeah. this comes from yeah so uh, should, we, should we listen to this then Wow, I'm listening to that on headphones. It's just wild, isn't it? <laughs> Thank oh, you. Thank it's just you. if you uh, if you're listening to this, try and put some headphones and turn it right up. It's uh, it's incredible. Yes, that, that it's was uh, Kim M, and uh, yeah, that's Kim M from um, I guess this week, Michael Valentine West, and before that we had Slow Math, the American version. Yes, deliberate. Yeah, deliberate. 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 Yeah, that, that Kim M. That was uh, that was really good. Thanks. Yeah. So Thanks. what's the? There was a lot of a lot of stuff going on there, wasn't there? Oh yeah. Yeah, I believe there's even a sitar in there somewhere, and there's percussion, bell chains, sax, clarinet, drums, bass, and a and a ridiculous amount of editing. Yeah, there's a lot of work in that, isn't there? Yeah, but you see, that's what we were saying earlier on about the whole thing about um, uh, the work that you put in. I could sit here and explain or why I did it or what it's supposed to do and all the logic behind it. That's not as important as somebody hearing it and just feeling it. That's well, I, I always say with music, it's noise out of speakers. So it doesn't matter what type of music it is, where it's come from, how it's made. It's like it's just the feeling that the person listening to it gets. And that's what you're all, that's, any musician's aiming towards, isn't it? Yeah, you know, I mean, like we could all over, you know, over intellectualize what we do, perhaps to the nth degree. But sometimes it's just something you just want to hear and you go, like, OK, that's good enough. And the fact that you smiled yeah. when you put the headphones on. Well, well that's because we were chatting and then I put the headphones on for the yeah, last sort of 35, 40 seconds. And it was, yeah. And it's, there you go. It was, uh, it just does make you smile. Thank you very much. I can definitely, definitely recommend listening to this on headphones. Yeah, I, I, and again, big, um, very much gratitude to Anorat in Germany for giving me that opportunity because they spent a a load of money um, pressing up vinyl of that album and they're just great. They're like family. Yeah. You know, they really made some really good friends out there in Mulheim. Mulheim Massive. Yeah? Yeah. So how how did they uh, hear about you then? I imagine just through SoundCloud, maybe. I think, yeah, they just got in touch and just said, hey, you know, you want to come over and play a festival? You want to do an EP? Hmm. You want to do an album? And I'm like, yes, yes, yes. So have you played over there a lot or did you just... Uh, a few times, yeah, yeah, a few times. So uh, so what, what, what do you... Is it a keyboard and a computer? Or? Well, it's mainly, like, laptop-based. So I'll take my laptop. Um, there'll be one, two... Anything between two and three mini keyboards, and then you can then use like two separate controllers to control effects and stuff like that. And so, yeah, it's basically that and the sound card. So, yeah, oh, okay, so it's traveling fairly light. You think, you'd think yeah. it, 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 it sounds light, but it's, it's not. And no. So, um, it depends on the size. I mean, there's a, a Korg MS20 uh, replica that I've got, and um, that's really big but it's a good keyboard as well yeah. so i don't tend to take that abroad as much no no that's a lot uh, nice i was going to say it's nice and easy traveling within europe but uh, with brexit it won't be you'll be filling in carnets and uh, all that sort of stuff again which a lot of people have forgotten about really but you, you uh, know why it's bad enough being a musician yeah you know it's bad enough <laughs> I, I missed a flight um, I was playing at a festival in Germany, as it, as it happens, and I missed a flight because despite um, x-raying my stuff and it coming up fine, she then decided to unpack my bag mm. 
and test everything for drugs. Yeah. Even the tips of leads she yeah. tested for drugs. Uh-huh. She tested everything. I'm not an expert on drugs. What drugs would you use the tips of leads for? <laughs> I have no idea. I don't know. I've no, maybe you'd be... Yeah, OK. <laughs> I have no idea. <laughs> but but I, yeah. I stood there and I'm thinking, oh, you've just x-rayed it. And so we had to wait another 10 minutes. Mm. For the results to come up, which were all clear, of course. Yeah. And then she said, right, I'm going to, you know, repack your bag and then I'm going to x-ray it again. Yeah. Must have been a slow day. Yes, I yeah. reckon. Maybe maybe she liked chatting to you. I really doubt that. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, we're going to move on to some more Michael Valentine West. Hey. And uh, Yeah, yeah, hey. Uh, another beginning? That's what's, the one. What's the, so when was this released? Uh, this isn't out yet. Oh, it's not, there's, it's, there's a fair bit of stuff that isn't out. That's not out yet. This is going to be from an album called If You Should Ever See Me Again. Okay. Which most of the music is from the film score that I did. That's I Can't Read from Michael Valentine West, who's my guest this week. And before that, Another Beginning, which Another Beginning, that was the, uh, was that the intro to or the, the, the start to a film score it, you were working on? Yeah, it this is was, very filmic, isn't it? Thank you. Yeah. yeah. Um, it was one of many. One of many. Is that one why it's of, Another Beginning? Yeah, that's why it's called Another Beginning. Yeah. <laughs> Yet another and another and another and another. Mm. It made me want to go out and shoot a film, to be honest, because you were describing the, the scene that that was for, and it was... Um, you were very evocative of that. Thank you again. Yeah. You know that was the um, that was the idea for it, and uh, the idea behind some of the um, notes as well was again to produce a kind of theme which could be used throughout the film. But you know, hey ho, these things don't always work out, do they? Hell no. No. And what I can't read. What was uh, what was that from? Uh, I'm not sure. It, there's another album perhaps to come for Anna Rott, um, which is tentatively titled <laughs> Pissing on Infinite Mass. Yeah. And um, it may end up on there or on something else, I'm not sure yet. Yeah. So I'm still kind of collating the tracks and ideas for that piece for that piece of work. Is, it, is, that, is that linked into the math theme? We were talking about physics, weren't we, while, uh, while some of those were playing? Yeah, I had, yeah, yeah. yeah. Things like, um, kind of, yeah, yeah, pissing on infinite mass and the whole idea of, like, I don't know, impossible geometry. Yeah. Interdimensional mathematics. It's all, you know, stuff I read to just... Yeah? Inter- just, I just read it to prove how stupid I am. Well, God, <laughs> I don't yeah. understand it. So, what, so what, what, inter- what's that, interdimensional... Uh, mathematics. Oh, right, OK. So what's that? I don't know. Oh, OK. <laughs> no, I mean, I mean, like, well, in the respect that like, you get, like, um, like uh, what they call them, four-dimensional hypercube, for instance. Yeah. Have you heard of that? Yeah. Have you seen one? No. Oh, because they don't literally exist. No. Oh, is that a trick question? Well, it wasn't, actually. But it's, 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 it's when you look at, like, how they map it out about how this is how it would possibly appear to us yeah. if we could see it. But then, of course, it's... Again, it's just stuff I, I do in between making music, you know, just yeah. go on about, like, OK, how many dimensions have we got? And I can tell you, apparently, there was a big argument before they thought there was 10 or 11. Yeah. Oh, I think the jury's still out whether it's 10 or 11 dimensions. Wow. Do you, do you know what they are? 
Yes, I do. Good. They go okay, then, one. and moving I on. Do. I do. They go from one yeah. to ten or eleven. Oh, fantastic. Sorry. That's, I had that's a whole other show, isn't it, really? Absolutely. Yeah. It's, uh, I it's fascinating, all that sort of stuff, and, you know, how much we know and how much we don't know. So, um, but back to the music, I think. Um, so we're going to play uh, Samba next. Yes. So what's the... Is there a story behind that? What's that from? Uh, it's part of a body of work called... Uh, Sub-low or low. And um, despite it sounding very, very, very uh, digital and electronic, it actually has its roots, again, mathematically in kind of like, yeah, jazz improvis- jazz improvisation. Yeah. In the way the rhythms keep changing and stuff and chordally. And also there was exploring ideas between how certain frequencies affect the individual. So, and getting into Ornick Coleman and what else? Something that he said, which was try to aspire to something more than what you just inherited. So it was the idea of just pushing a boundary all the way through. Yeah. And I think I've always been obsessed with sine waves because it's just pure sound. And the idea of reducing a musical idea to a sine wave and a click for rhythm, that's just something I've been have for, you know, at least a decade I've been obsessed with doing that. And, um, yeah, this is just one of the tracks. That's uh, Hiromi Restraint, and before that, uh, Samba. Hiromi Restraint by uh, Lower Third, and uh, Samba was by Michael Valentine West, who's still my guest this week. <laughs> Sounds great. Like I've been listening to the back end of these on headphones, because uh, we're, we're sadly chatting, aren't we, in between the, 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 the tracks. But uh, I would recommend, again, really turn it up loud and try and listen on headphones or put it through a big system because uh, they much. sound they sound incredible so um so what's the what's that lower third then is that was that something you did a is that a concurrent or uh that's not kind of i can always go back to it but again that was around i had the twig in the k Sons album which i did and the idea behind that was take a being who's who's thought processes and articulations were in default context so it's very blunt lyrically very direct to the point um and for the most part there's no melody there's no vocal melody on the twiggy album but the words to me are mostly important on the hiromi restraint album by lower third it was just there's there's this great kind of like singing plug-in that's Japanese, and it comes with one default word. You can type other words into it, but it plays them by syllable. So there's one word, and it has about three or four syllables on it. And when you play a melody, it kind of sings to you. And so I thought, wouldn't it be a great idea to produce a really beautiful, melodic album that sings, but for the most part, lyrically, it means nothing. All the songs are based on one word (laughs) being repeated syllable syllable wise over and over again yeah and yeah and also the idea was just like yeah a kind of japanese post-electronic psychedelic band i i, I just thought it was a fun idea to be honest no no good yes so so, so, uh, we're, so we're going to move on now um pop goes the skin what's mm. michael valentine west this was under that name yeah so when when was this from uh about 2009 but it ended up coming out in 2012 on pucker up on bedroom research records um I, I was playing for Brian Duffy uh, at the time, uh, Modified Toy. Modi- yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a great idea, isn't he? <laughs> Didn't he play at the Town Hall or what? A couple of years uh, ago, probably did, yeah. now. I yeah. Think, uh, he, yeah, they did. Yeah, they did, yeah. Um, but he had a K 
Casio SA1, which was circuit bent, and I just borrowed it for the night, took it home, just recorded about 45 minutes to an hour's worth of me just playing it, and then took it back and then edited the track. And so what's this. that? What's Casio SA1? It's a toy keyboard. It's oh, basically right. a small little toy keyboard that um, has been modified or circuit bent, as they call it. Yeah. So they just stick extra resistors on here, potentiometers and stuff. So you That's a great phrase, you're isn't basically, it? Circuit bent. Yeah, yeah. You're basically tricking it into doing things that it wasn't meant to do. Yeah. And I'm sure how, how, has, how did Brian describe it? Revealing the instrument's hidden potential. There you go. That's right. Yeah, that's good when when you say that because you can you know you, you take something which is fairly basic and then you just I, I love that idea of modifying it and then unleashing you know its true potential. It can be something else altogether. But yeah. I think for the modified toyster, for the most point, um, the instruments were used in a mostly very traditional musical way, where musically this is very much the SA one making the noise without yeah. any edits. You know, apart from the arrangement edit, of course. That's Blood Sacrifice from Michael Valentine West. And uh, we're still chatting about your career in music over the last... Well, so when did you start? So I probably first met you about 1990, 1990, something like that. Um, Which is horribly possibly. nearly 30 years ago. No, it isn't. Yeah. You perhaps. <laughs> uh, it was... I don't know. Um... I don't know what year, but. But did you start when you were when you were a kid? Did you start making music, or mm, did you come later to? A bit later to it, uh, probably when I was about sixteen. Yeah. You know, it was like, what do you want if you do well in your exams? Yeah. Like, yeah. And um, I just wanted to learn how to do James Brown style kick, uh, chicken scratch. You know, mm. I was obsessed by it because my dad had a James Brown. Oh, it's such a cliche. Mm. Uh, James Brown live at the Apollo and double album and when I was about four I can remember being about three four years old and dad singing along to it and getting me and my sister to sing along to the bits and stuff and and that kind of stuck with me but the guitar and that live album is just phenomenal Mm -hmm. and then of course at some point you discover you know other guitarists like Hendrix and then P-Funk like Funkadelic Parliament and all that and then you know my sister was a big fan of stuff like David Bowie she got me to Bowie, Sylvian, and you know I had friends at school who were kind of giving me things, you know. So you just just was an avid listener, yeah. And just wanted to create the sounds, and I would spend a lot of time listening to the way things were made or where I could place them in my head, and then try and recreate it. But yeah, yeah, fantastic. Yeah, that's it's, it's interesting that the sort of influence of you know when you were a kid and the sort of music that was around the house. Because it all goes in there, doesn't it? And Absolutely. And gets I mean, mashed up and then comes out again. Yeah, I mean, the, th- the oddest thing is, like, my dad obviously had a load of... Well, I say obviously, but, you know, he's uh, he's Jamaican by birth. Yeah. So he had a whole load of reggae and uh, Blue Beat and Scar records. And yeah. initially I wasn't... You know, I can remember being up to about age of eight, nine convincing myself that I didn't really like it yeah and then at some point you turn 11 and you you know you go through your dad's records and you put one on mm. and you go actually and then another and another and another and you're like yeah I'm on board well I suppose you're, you're supposed to rebel against you know what your parents like but perhaps unfortunately if your parents was... have got a great record collection it's a real problem isn't it yeah I think perhaps that's perhaps what I was trying to do I think maybe but you know you couldn't resist it no oh, I've know. got I've got what I like to think is a great record spanning well you know going back jazz you know all the way through 
through, uh, uh, you know, reggae, punk, indie, and, you know, everything. But um, uh, certainly my son's turned against that, and he's into grime, which annoyingly for him, <laughs> which I'm starting to get into, which is really annoying, because that's not supposed to happen, is it? Oh, it can happen. And you know what? There's some good stuff. There's some really good grime. There's some awful grime. There is stuff that actually, like, aspires to be bigger than it than than where it started, and I really enjoy listening to those things of all genres, you know, no. doesn't matter what it is. I embarrassed my son because Murkish Dave was playing down at Hare and Hounds in King's Heath. I said, do you want to come up and watch it with me? Like, that's, <laughs> a, that's just, can't imagine a worse sentence to come out of my mouth. Really. Like, oh, ooh, ooh. Yeah, come with, come with me, come with your dad and let's go to, uh, yeah. <laughs> go but on. no, there are some good stuff. JK's really good as well, I like JK um, from Small Heath. So uh, there's some good, some good stuff about. So we go back to you anyway. That's enough talking about other people, oh, no. Michael. Hey. <laughs> yeah, 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 all about me. Yeah. So uh, we're going to, uh, we're going to play another track, Don't Lose Yourself, another Michael ooh. Valentine West track. Yeah. That's Don't Lose Yourself from Michael Valentine West, my guest this week. And uh, sadly, our time is up. Ooh. We're just going to uh, we're going to finish on uh, on a, a couple more Michael Valentine West tracks. But uh, it's been fascinating talking to you. Thanks, David. As I say, though, all the years I've known you, this is the first time we've actually sat down for two hours and played music <laughs> and talked about music, isn't it? Um, yeah, for sure, for sure. So, yeah, we must do it again sometime. But that's a fascinating body of work there, I think. It's um, and as I say, I, I know I've said it before, but really, just crank that up loud because it's uh, it sounds fantastic. But uh, thanks very much for coming in. And, My pleasure. Uh, thank you for inviting me. No, and thank you for. Well, we've been talking about it for a while, haven't we? But uh, yeah, and then I and it. then I just basically bullied you into it one night. You remember? It was I said, a cryptic message, which I, yeah, me. yeah, I didn't know what to. So uh, hey, you got the. I, I, I thought I thought you wanted to come around for a meal or something. <laughs> so. No, you got there in the end. You got. There. I got there in the end. Yeah, yeah. I don't take hints. This is uh, yeah. So, uh, but it, it all worked out fine, and uh, it's been a great show. Thank you ever so much, and good luck for the future. Thanks. Thank you for listening to this Brum Radio podcast. Don't forget to subscribe and rate us on your podcast app.